Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. Father, we thank you that you have uh, given us uh, such such a sense of your presence this morning. It's it's been wonderful to know that you're with us, that you are here. And Father, I pray that uh, even the words I share will be words of encouragement to us. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll remember that last week I just began a uh, very short um, kind of series called Now These Three Remain. And um, I'm talking about that passage in 1 Corinthians 13, which says exactly that. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. And last week we looked at the hope of the gospel, so we're not necessarily doing them in the, in the order, but at a time like this, when we as a church have been reminded of the fragility of life, um, we should remind ourselves of the hope of the gospel. Um, Because if we don't have the hope of the gospel, um, the fragility of life becomes a much bigger thing for us uh, than it ought to be. Because for the Christian, um, death is not the end. And so it's, it's easy for us to sing, and we sing that, if we're honest, every week. Every week we sing songs that tell us it's not the end, and yet the reality of it, sometimes we can be very disconnected from the truth of what we actually believe. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. I spoke about hope last week and just asked, where is our hope? And in our grief and our sorrow, I want to just commend and encourage the church just for the way that you've looked out for one another and you've continued to look out for Ben, uh, for Emma and Hannah. It's, it's wonderful. It's an expression of the gospel. It's what faith is all about. And I want to encourage us, we need to keep going with that. And God gives us grace to do that. There's grace for us to do that. So today we're going to focus on that characteristic, love. The passage states that love is the greatest. And I want to just ask a question. Why do you think love is considered the greatest of these virtues? Faith, hope and love. And it goes on to say, to say and the greatest of these is love. What, does anyone know? Anyone want to hazard a guess? Why? It's not, a, it's not like a... There's no prizes, there's no... There's nothing of any significance in the answer other than what you might feel about yourself. <laughs> Martin. Okay, that's a very good answer, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> Anyone else have any? Okay, Lucy. So I, th- I so <laughs> we've got dispute here between some of our lawyers here. I, I think, I think that Paul makes reference to love being the greatest is because of this. 
It's the characteristic we share with God. We do not share hope with God. We hope because of God and because of what God has done, we have hope. We have hope in the gospel and we have faith which is a gift to help us believe in God. But as Lucy said, God is love. It's like the thing he is more than he is anything else. God is love. And the Bible actually says those very words. It says, it tells us, love comes from God and God is love. I want you to think for a moment, what would the world be like if God was not in it? So for all the problems of the world, all the sin of the world, what would the world actually be like if God were not in it? If love were not in the world, because love comes from God only, if love were not in the world, what would the world really be like? Do we really think that sin and the devil have any compassion at all? Do we really think that they would, oh, you know, if they were actually in charge, they would kind of be a bit better than we thought they would be? No. If God were not in the world, love would not be in the world and we would be in hell. Sometimes we can think the world feels like hell to us, but the reality is God is here. And I don't just mean he's here in the church and we thank God. That he, thank him that he is, and we probably feel his love in a way that's very different, but God is in the world. People express love to one another all the time. People show compassion to one another all the time. If God were not in the world, it would be far, far worse. You know what, you know what, um, something's like by the, you know, if you like, the, the person who, if you came to our family home, many of you have been to our family home and at the moment we're going through a phase where, uh, where Pony's not necessarily happy because maybe the house isn't as tidy as it could be and all those kinds of things. Um, but if you came to our family home um, and apart from looking around at, at those kinds of things, you might get an idea of what do they value here? The people that kind of control the culture of this place, what do they value here? What's important to them? And we're, we're very fortunate that we have a God of love because the world which he created demonstrates that. In so many different ways, it demonstrates that there is someone who is above it all and he's a God of love. He's not a God primarily of punishment. Yes, he is holy. Yes, he is just. Yes, he is merciful. But even in Ephesians 2, it says this, verse 4, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive. But why, why did he make us alive? His mercy comes out of his love. His love is the ultimate expression of who he is. 
Love was the overriding motive for God to show mercy. And even as we were worshipping and so many of the prayers that we had and the contributions that we had talked about the reality of God's love, the power of his love. So how do we define that? How would we define love? Because when we think about love, we think about different things. Yeah, we think. I don't know whether the love that we sometimes term love is really related to God. But our love often is an emotion. It's a feeling. Now, it's not to say God doesn't have feelings. I mean, Bill's word was, God feels it. Yeah? Jesus, who was God, when, when Lazarus died, he wept. He does feel it. But it's much more than that. John 3.16, for me, still remains the passage that defines God's love more than any other passage. God so loved the world, he gave his only son. It defines love in two key aspects, that at its essence, love is this. First of all, it is selfless. God gave the primary thing that he does to express love to us is he gave. He gave us something. He gave us his only son. He showed us mercy. Love is primarily selfless. It's primarily about giving. It's primarily about about something that comes out of you towards someone else in a very positive, favourable way. The second essence of this love is it is selfless, but it is also sacrificial. So to be honest, I could be selfless without being sacrificial. I could give you something... And, 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 you know, and, and it's like a giving you something, but, but it didn't cost me anything to give it to you. Yeah, I could give you something. I could give you a book. You could say, I mean, have you got a book? You know, I'd love to read a book on leadership. Do you know what? I've got loads of books on leadership. I could say, do you know what? Here is a book. I'm going to give it to you. And you might go, oh, that is such a wonderful thing for you to do. But I've got 20 of them. It's not a sacrifice for me to do. It's a nice thing for me to do. It's a good thing for me to do. We should be selfless. We should be selfless. But God's love was more than selfless. It was sacrificial. And this is where it can hurt. Because God gave his most treasured possession. He gave the thing that he, in all the world, in all of eternity, in all the universe, he loved the most. He gave the thing that meant more to him than anything else. That one's not turning off. 
He gave the thing that mattered to him more than anything else. He gave his son. Jesus showed the coming of his son was a sign that God is selfless in his love, but he is also sacrificial in his love. And it's the sacrifice that hurts. And if, if when you do a selfless act, it doesn't hurt, it's not a sacrifice. Sacrifice hurts. God didn't sit in heaven triumphantly when Jesus came because there was a separation which was painful. We only see the human side of that when Jesus was on the cross and he cries out. When Jesus was praying in the garden, we see the human side of the sacrifice. But for God in heaven, he wasn't laughing at that moment. It was a sacrifice. God's love has these two defining aspects. It is selfless and it is sacrificial. There are other aspects of God's love. I don't think they are in essence the same, but there are these other aspects. The next one would be God's love is supreme. What did Jesus say? Greater love hath no man. Greater love hath no man than this that he would lay down his life for his friends. God's love is supreme. It's above all other kinds of loves. It defines what love should look like. When we think about love, our first thought should be, how does God love? Because we share that characteristic with him. We love because he loved. We are created in his image, and when he breathed his life into us, he breathed in that ability to love. Fourthly, other aspects of God's love, his love is shown. God showed his love among us by sending his son, and then it says, then we ought to love one another. They're connected. His love is shown through what he has done. So we ought to love one another as a result of that. And then the other aspect, it's, it's seen, it's shown to us, it's seen. This is what the Bible says, and we must understand what this means. It says this, no one has ever seen God. Yeah? No one has ever seen God. How then do we know what he is like? If no one's ever seen him, how do we know what he's like? Well, that passage in 1 John tells us we know and others will know by the way we love one another. It says that God's love only becomes complete in us. God's love only becomes complete in us. For all God's majestic, wonderful, powerfulness and all of those things, without us, his love is not shown to the world. His love is shown through the way we love one another. It demonstrates something. And how do we define that love? It's selfless and it's sacrificial. And at times it hurts.
we can clearly see that the gospel represents this great act of selfless sacrifice that Jesus went to the cross. It was selfless sacrifice. It presents for us, as all these things do, a challenge. We, by nature, are selfish. We are not selfless by nature. Yeah? Left to our own devices, we do not do good. I don't know whether you think you do. Oh, I, I mean, I, I'm a good person. No. Left to your own devices, you do not do good. If we, uh, some of you know, we have a, uh, quite a, you know, we've got a, a garden at the back of our house. And, uh, um, you know, I don't, really, I don't really like gardening, but we do a bit of gardening to try and keep it going and cut the grass and stuff. If we did nothing to our garden, nothing for a year, weeds would grow. We haven't sown weeds. Yeah, we didn't buy, we didn't buy weeds and go, let's spread them abroad we didn't we didn't say to ourselves let's cultivate weeds in the garden but if we did nothing in the garden weeds would grow yeah and some of them are horrible because there are bits of our garden where we've done nothing and bindweed has grown yeah we didn't put it there left to our own devices left to our own nature we are naturally selfish that's how we are we all like that yeah, we all come under that kind of category. We're selfish, naturally. Yet, God's love is selfless. So how do we move? How do we get from being selfish by nature to being selfless? Because somehow we need to make that transition if we are going to reflect and represent God's love to us. And we do that when we come to him. When you come to God, when you acknowledge, actually, God, by nature, I am selfish. I had a friend. I've had a friend. I've got a friend. He, um, yeah, I've got one friend. Yeah. And uh, as always, he doesn't see me that often. Um, <coughs> but he's a little bit older than me. I met him uh, over 20 years ago, and uh, he was, he was a, he's a postman. He was a postman. He's retired now. But I remember when I first met him, and, and he's, a, he's a Christian. He's a postman. He's a Christian. But if you met him and you talked to him after a little while, you think, is he really a Christian? Because yeah? he doesn't necessarily talk like a Christian. He's not necessarily warm and friendly. He might say things that you think, oh, my goodness, did he, did he just say that? He says things that you're, you know, might offend you. Sometimes you're thinking, I don't know what he's going to say next. Um, and uh, so he's like that. And sometimes when he's described some of the things that he's done, I was like, uh, what, what made you do that? How, how is that a great witness? I would wonder about it. Yet he's also talked to me about what he was like before he was a Christian. He was, in his own words, absolutely selfish. He was completely self-centered. He did everything himself. He was married, he had children, but he did absolutely everything for himself. Did not give a thought about anybody else. He then got saved. And it was almost like in his heart, God did something. God removed that heart of selfishness and he replaced it with a heart of selflessness. This guy 
went from being selfish, doing his own thing. He, he decided, this is after he'd become a Christian, that he would, he would join the union at work, the post office union. Over the years, he went from being just a local post office rep to running the South London and Southwest London post office union. He oversaw, for, I don't know, 15, 20 years, 6,000 employees. He had gone from being completely selfish to absolutely selfless. And he just gave himself to helping people. And you could tell that people who didn't have a voice, people who were being mistreated, people who were being abused, people who were being sent away when they shouldn't have been sent away, people who were being treated badly, he would represent them. When other people said, no, we're not going to represent them, he would represent them. He would support them. He would help them. Something had happened inside, and it wasn't because he himself had become a better person. Because actually, as I say, when you see him, when you meet him, some of his language and stuff, some of the things he does, I'm like, really? You're still doing that? But he was selfless. Because selfless is something that happens to you when you come to that place in your faith or you come to that place in God where you say, Jesus, I want you to be Lord. I want to give this over to you. And so I would, I would do things that I would give up my own dreams, my own thoughts for your dreams. Sometimes we try and cover our dreams with God and we kind of make out that they're the same thing. But often it's just our dreams. The other example I want to give is my, my, my brother-in-law, who he was here preaching two weeks ago. Um, when he was in his 20s, he was given the opportunity that people were talking to him about going into church leadership. He was, uh, people were really pushing him that way. He decided, actually, that's not the way for my life to go right now. And, and he gave up on all those things that he wanted to do. And he, he moved up north. He started getting involved in church plants. 25 years later, God has pulled him out of that employment he was in and put him into, the, in, into, if you like, into a ministry that God had spoken to him about 25 years previously. Sometimes God speaks to us about stuff and we want to make it happen. But often, really what needs to happen is we need to become more selfless. And we need to be going and be willing to help others. Our challenge is by nature we're selfish, not selfless. But we're called to be selfless and we cannot do that on our own. And I think at a time like this for us as a church, selflessness is required. Yeah, we need to be selfless right now with one another. It's very easy. It would be very easy for some of us to think, oh, man, it's really difficult. I'm just going to withdraw a bit. I'm going to, what's going on? I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, actually, we need to be selfless with one another. And one of the reasons we need to be selfless is the fact that God's love is only demonstrated to the world through the way we love one another. People won't know otherwise. Because otherwise, the gospel becomes a theory. Until you, until you see it out, outworked in the lives of people around you, it's just a theory. People go, oh yeah, that sounds really good, or no, that doesn't sound good. So for us, there is a challenge to be selfless. Yesterday, Pauline and I were um, 
celebrating with her parents their their 60th wedding anniversary. And uh, when you get to 60 years of marriage, um, if if you remind her, the Queen will send you a card. Yeah. So if you get to remind her, she she sends a card, just wishing you, um, you know, wishing you all the best. And they got a card, and it, you could tell that I think the Queen had actually signed the card. It looked like, because it was like, it, it was it was like the signature of an old person. So I, went, so I assumed that was the Queen, because uh, she's very old now. But as we talked through, and as people talked through their lives yesterday, what was really, really obvious, and, and it was interesting to see it, that they've been married longer than I've been alive. Yeah? And as they talked through, you realized that the key things that seem to hold this thing together, this marriage, this relationship, for all those years, I think there were three things that seemed to hold it together. They were faithful, they were selfless, and they were sacrificial. And, and, and really, when everyone talked about them, those were the qualities that became really, really obvious and really evident. That there were moments they had to sacrifice. There were moments they had to, they had to be selfless. There were moments where they, they, they were just remained faithful. And it was, a, it was a, and quite an amazing, um, I suppose, afternoon. It was quite an amazing time that we had. And we realized that it's not many generations that are going to see that. I wonder whether the number of those cards that the Queen signs has reduced over the years. I wonder whether there aren't so many marriages that make it that far. It's in selfless sacrifice that love finds its true power. And this is about the power of love. The power of love is in the selfish, selfless sacrifice we make for the sake of others, for the sake of the kingdom of God, for the sake of the church, that we put aside what we would want to do and we pick up what he would have us do. And often they're different and sometimes it hurts and sometimes you live with the frustration of it. Pauline's dad used to, used to lead a church for many, many, many years and, and he put it down on the advice of people. He, he put it down... Even today, you can see that that was a sacrifice that hurt. But it wasn't a sacrifice that he kind of resented or lived in. And sometimes we need to make selfless, sacrificial decisions. And that's where love finds its true power. What I'd like us to do, uh, just for the uh, rest of our time this morning, is... Uh, we may finish with the song, but I, w- I just want to give us the opportunity to pray with one another. I haven't done this for a few weeks. Just anything that you might have to pray for or that you would pray even for us as a church that we might be able to um, uh, manifest more of this way of loving one another, that it's about selflessness, it's about sacrifice, that we would be able to do that. So... Um, I'm just going to ask Andy to put some music on and you just maybe get into groups, two, threes, twos or whatever, and just pray with one another. Just find someone. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. 
If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.